Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Our guy John Perillo's with us, as always. It's Monday Musings. And he, he wants, and it's it's something I want to talk about. You know, we, we've got this um, Israeli-Hamas war going on. We've got this Hamas-Palestinian assault on civilized society. Oh, by the way, and they're, fi- they're, they're fighting it out here in America as well trying to destroy civilized society. They're part of the regressive left that's trying to destroy America. Same enemy. Same exact enemy. Same slogans, same saying, same attitude. They just aren't allowed here to slaughter, mass rape, and ritually torture people before killing innocent civilians. Oh, oh, though that's right. That's actually happening in left-wing run cities. Well, so maybe they are. But John Prillo's with us. Uh and uh, first of all, John, welcome. How are you? That's good to be here, Bob. How are you? Great. So, one of the things I was wondering about because it's sort of gone sub rosa. Israel has continually been held back by world public opinion and American uh, jawboning. Right. Where does this, I, frankly, I think the whole thing would have been over if they had been allowed to unrestrictedly go after Hamas and their Palestinian and, handmaids. And as usual, Bob is, is on point, right? So, I, you know, we spent a little bit of time last week talking about you know, the Decatur option, how do we respond when we get attacked by these Iranian proxies? Um, and we talked about, you know, how they're, they're well, and then, then we did see the administration respond a little bit, but there really isn't enough information out there to, to, to attack that. So I, I wanted to hold off on that. But to Bob's point, I think, you know. Well, by the way, doesn't that answer the question? How little information <laughs> there is about what we did? I mean, nobody well, knows, no. nobody cares. <laughs> let's let's we'll hold off on that a little bit but i think i think one of the things that i i did want to explore and bob's kind of le- alluding to is you know why is this a israeli response as strong as it is you know why why are we seeing you know i think i think sometimes that gets lost in the detail there's a lot of uh, discussion around displacement around what's happening in gaza and i think it's important to take a, a half a step back and to think about what exactly happened to start of this. And Bob's mentioned this several times. And then as if to reinforce the point, 
in the interview that I was I was reviewing to talk about the Decatur option, this gentleman, Elliot Cohen, who had worked with Condoleezza Rice, he was talking about the videos of some of these attacks of what happened to Israel on 10-7. And in it, in his interview, he says that after seeing some of the videos, he couldn't sleep for a week. And and I was, you know, and for those of you who, who are out there trying to imagine what that looks like, you can actually find them. You have to dig a little bit, but the, the Jerusalem Times has them. And they're raw footage. They're not edited. They're not, they don't give you uh, any, um, there's, there's no announcer talking over it. You can just kind of watch what happened. And if you get a chance and can do that and can stomach it, I think it's important because the cruelty of some of those attacks is actually hard for us to imagine. And if, for those of you who don't want to go digging that up, just trust me. Imagine your worst horrible things you can, you can think of, and these attacks were worse than that. And for your listeners, you know, with the exception of some of your vets who, who I know have seen some horrible things, you know, just, just keep that in the back of your mind. And on top of that, they were on a scale that I think we have trouble thinking about, and, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit today. So if you look at those attacks in proportion to the populations of our two countries, the U.S. and Israel, Imagine about 15 9-11s all happening at one time, right? That's about the same scale of, of, of invasion and deaths, right? Imagine something like 7,000 U.S. hostages being held. Imagine thousands of brutal systematic rapes and all of this happening in our border. And then think about that response. By the way, I'll tell you this, maybe not on that scale, but we're not going to have to imagine it much longer in my view. Uh, if we're not careful, yeah, I think, I think no, we you know, certainly we're setting the seeds yeah. for it. No, that's, yeah. that's a good point, right? So, and and at the same time, all this, all the news is about the displacement of the population of Gaza, and and that's a big thing, right? But nobody's talking about the displacement of about two hundred thousand Israelis who have been forced to move away from their border towns because they aren't safe anymore, right? So. Imagine our outrage if the same portion of our population, which would be about 6 million Americans, had to be moved because they couldn't live safely because an enemy was attacking us. Right? Entire villages in Israel are now empty. You know, fields are not being farmed. Animals are not being cared for, all because the people who used to live there just left. Right? Nobody's talking about this, but I suspect this is front and center in the minds of the Israeli people, and it explains part of the reason why they're pursuing uh, Hamas in the way that they are. And, th- and then, as we're thinking about that, and we're keeping these proportional numbers in mind, it's because, because of these attacks, there are implications on how Israel is going to relate with their neighbors going forward. And for instance, I suspect that there is no way they will allow Hezbollah to remain as close to the border as they do now, Hezbollah being north of Israel. Right? Hezbollah has more missiles and more troops than Hamas ever had. And the lesson that the Israelis likely got from the attack that Gaza that they got from Gaza is that they can no longer rely on what's called strategic warning. And what that meant was that in the past, Israelis didn't keep large numbers of troops uh, in or on nearby towns that were near the border. What they did was they had reserve forces in these kibbutzes, and then they had listening posts that were supposed to provide early warning in the event of, uh, of an attack. And then they would surge people to the places where those attacks occurred. That was their plan. And clearly that failed. Right? And because of that and the displacement of some of their population, they likely feel they're going to have to do something in Lebanon, which is where Hezbollah is, before their attack. And again, it's hard for us to imagine this because essentially the U.S. is an island nation. We don't have enemies 
to Bob's point yet, on our border. So we can see our enemies coming to us. But for the Israelis, that all changed on 10-7. And what they're going to have to consider in places like Lebanon isn't really what I would call a preemptive strike. And, and you know, for the listeners out there, preemption is when you see your enemy winding up to punch them and you punch them first. Right? What they're going to likely have to think about is something called preventative attacks, which means you got to punch the other guy before he even winds up. And you can imagine what the global response to that's going to be. But what option do you think the Israelis have given their experience on Zero. on 10-7, right? And unlike the 67 war, the, the, all of 10-7 was an invasion of Israeli the Israel proper, not some battle in, in the Sinai, for instance. And, 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 you know, they have this really strong sense of country that they've had to come together for survival. And, yes, they've had big political issues. And if you remember, we discussed their Supreme Court and some of the issues that uh, that they're having in Monday Musings a while back. But everyone and knows Netanyahu has run his course. There's no doubt about and, it. Yes, uh, absolutely. He served a purpose. He all that. But he, he's run his course. Uh, John he's Perillo is our absolutely. guest. It's Monday Musings. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And, and John, I'd like you when we come back to outline where does this Israeli Hamas war stand now? militarily in particular. John Perillo, Monday Musings. We'll be right back. It's the Bob Cadaro Show. So we're back with Monday Musings and John Perillo. And, John, t- where do things stand right now? Okay, I'm sorry. I was trying to do the math between Hotel California and today and how many years ago that was. It was making me ill. <laughs> it was be- um, well, but it was also before California went full loony. Oh, I, I lived out there in oh, 1985. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to divert. Um, so, so a couple things. One, I think what we're starting to see now is the beginning of the end in the sense that Israel is working very hard to destroy the Hamas infrastructure, tunnels and the like. And your listeners, you, you, you guys know, we've talked about this, that they're talking about something like 350 miles of this stuff. Um, and, you, you know, and, and they're still having to try to track down Hamas leadership, which, you know, in typical fashion left Gaza and is directing the assault, if you will, from other areas. And the Israelis are notorious for not backing down on that sort of thing. They'll take their time, they'll find them, and they'll, they'll move them onto their you know, their afterlife. Um, that's just how the Israelis operate. But it's very difficult because, you know, the terrain is still very, very tough. It's still a very densely populated area. And and the fact is that the international community, such as it is, is, is very much against it. Um, but I would, I'd like to point out something else that Bob just mentioned about Netanyahu. He's talking about, you know, the, the guy's got to go. And, and I, he, he brought up an interesting point because the country, you know, has come together in a big way. And it was interesting to me just how seriously the entire country's leadership, military and civilian, has taken this failure. And all of the civilian leadership and all the military leadership, with the exception of Netanyahu, um, they've decided, they've indicated that they're going to work until this situation is, re- is resolved, and then they're going to resign in acknowledgement of their, of their failures. When they, isn't and that I, an I, incredibly I think, mature way to handle it, John Perillo? Yes. I mean, I've yeah, I, 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 I watched I, that, and they, you know, uh, Netanyahu brought in people in the cabinet who hate him, and he hates them, and, and they just said it is time to unify and fight we haven't seen this except for brief moments after uh, September 11, 2001, and those didn't right. last. 
Right. And, and think about the think about the difference between that and our cheap in the United States. I take full responsibility and it ends with the words. Right? <laughs> yeah, Here yeah. we have entire groups of, of military leaders. These are not snuffies. These are senior military advisors, senior military people, senior intelligence people, senior political people all saying we're going to do what we need to do to fix this. And then we're resigning this. We failed. I think that was extraordinary. And the second thing I think that's an important outcome of this is this will change Israel politically because now the percentage of the population has seen the elephant. I'm sorry. It's a military phrase that means they've actually seen being shot at or seen seen the horrors of war. The percentage of those will be much more significant than it was before this, and that's going to change the politics in Israel, and it's going to change the way they do the enemy there. One of the things that's interesting – the uh, installations and the kibbutz and so forth that were attacked were some of the most uh, left-wing, uh, yes. lenient, peacemongering Israelis, and now they get it that they were wrong because their lives were lost. The, uh, people they knew yeah, were killed, a, savaged. That's and, a great and, and important point. Yeah. Yes. It's a very important point, and I think because it, it does change – the way the entire country is going to look at the same problem. And, you know, what I what I suspect that will happen now is that there's going to be some kind of a DMZ between Israel and Gaza. And it, when I mean a DMZ, I mean it very much like what we see in the, in the Koreas, where there's, you know, a, an area that may, it may be mined, but there's not going to be any of this crossing over that happened in the past. Just to Bob's point, you know, the, there were there were certainly Palestinians who tried to help the Israelis. I don't 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 doubt that for a minute. But I don't think the Israelis are going to take that chance anymore. And remember that Hamas first attacked the early warning centers and then the homes of the people who manned those early warning centers and then the, the, the reserve forces. They knew where all those people were. And the way that they knew was that their people that were coming over the border to work in these kibbutzes, yep. which, as Bob says, were very liberal, they, they, they were spying and gathering intel on that. Um, and then, and, then, and I do want to make another note on civilian deaths, right? So I understand that we should and always be regretful when there are civilian deaths. But just as a just as a, a measurement, so we have an idea of what that's like. When we liberated Manila in the Philippines, and Manila was a friendly city, the Philippines were friendly to the United States. We committed something like a hundred thousand civilian casualties. Okay. This is an operation against a, a population that's largely hostile to Israel. So I understand that we, we regret civilian casualties. We always should. But as, in a, you know, if we want to talk about proportionality, let's think about that a little bit, right? The, you know, the, that, uh, you know the, the best plans, when you're doing the best you can, you still have those kind of, those kind of uh, casualties. And, you know, and then to, to Bob was asking, you know, what comes next? Right? No country is going to want to take over Gaza. There is, you know, there'll probably be something like a Palestinian Authority fig leaf over what it what it winds up being. But Hamas rule has devastated the area before the invasion, and now when the war is finished, there's nothing left. There's not going to be much left to destroy. So the Arab nations aren't going to want to touch it, and that means some kind of international group. Well, think about the problems with that. The UN well, has no wait, credibility. We, we just found out about the UN in in exactly. spades. It's a uh, it's almost intractable, John and. It's been going on for centuries, centuries and it is yeah. it is built into the cultures and the Israelis are not going to get peace except through strength and brutality, sometimes in advance. Uh, we appreciate yeah. it, John. Always a pleasure. We look forward to next week. 
uh, we'll follow events and uh, you'll bring to us uh, the best of anything. You got it, Bob. Thank you again to you and your listeners for, for spending time with us this morning. And I hope you guys have great weather and, uh, and it's clearing up out there as well. So you take care. <laughs> John Perillo, Monday Musings. We'll be back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.